Good evening, oh, leave, everybody. Leaving meeting. You're Sorry. leaving meeting. <laughs> now it's a blooper. everyone and welcome to the Geomologist Presents. So today I'm going to recap the games I ran that were Halloween themed. I ran one on Thursday for my home group, which was a game of Savage Worlds Superhero Companion horror themed starring the Monster Squad. And on Halloween night, I ran a horror themed game vampires of new york versus the defenders well three defenders and uh, i thought they went pretty well they're pretty fun i ironically not planned they were both superhero games in a way uh one kind of that i set in the dc universe with the monster squad just on a whim really and then one set in the marvel universe which was again not planned Really? I've been talking about the Defenders game to run for a while. I I got some interest and then not interest. And then finally, uh, Amy sort of said, hey, are we going to do a Defenders game? And then a couple friends of mine, uh, my friend BJ Boyd from the Arcane Alienist, and my friend Jeff, who's in my home group too, uh, he played also in the Savage Supers Horror Monster Squad game, uh, played on the Tuesday Marvel game. So I I thought they were kind of cool games. I had a, a good time running them, and I'm going to talk about um, how they went and what I thought of them. Um, and actually, I you know I think the the cool thing to me is that the Monster Squad game has inspired me to try to look more closely at the Super's Companion uh, from Suede and try to run something. I'm planning on running sort of Super Pirates um, inspired by One Piece anime and live action show. Uh, for BSRCon 3, which is in um, late January. So anyway, oh, there is also a call from Jason Connerly, and I will answer his question. So anyway, on with the show. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Hey Carl, Jason here. Just listened to episode 521, I think. Episode 5, season 21. Whatever it is, I don't know. You guys have weird numbering systems. If you just numbered them sequentially, it makes sense. But, you know, adding in these fake seasons makes it weird. But I'm curious on your thoughts. You've run small games with one-on-one. You've run big games, both in conventions and at you know, in, in dorm rooms and whatever, and big games in online settings. And I'm curious on your thoughts of group size and how many players maybe is unwieldy online, especially. 
I think you can do larger groups in person than online. Uh, I like playing in large groups personally, so I'm kind of curious in your thoughts. You know, now that you got seven players for uh, Twilight 2000 on group size and, and that kind of thing. Uh, thank you. Hey, Jason. Thanks for the call. So group size. Definitely it is easier to play with a larger group in person than online. This is correct. And I feel like I used to be comfortable with about four people online, but I think I'm getting comfortable with more. My home group is five people uh, when they're all there. And uh, I think five people can work for me. That's probably my most comfortable spot, even online. Now, when the game went on the Traveler, no, the Twilight 2000 game, I now have seven players. Now, they were not all there uh, this last time. I had one player not there, so I had six players at one point, and it worked pretty well. I prefaced the game by saying, okay, there's a lot of people, so I'm going to really do my darndest to move the spotlight around, but also if we could really wait until someone has finished talking and try not to talk over everyone. Now, it's easier to do that if people show their face on the camera. Um, we use Discord for audio, but sometimes people don't, so we just kind of got to watch, or I try to watch sort of the green going on to see that they're talking and then wait till they're finished. So I think it worked pretty well. Um, I did not feel like people talked over themselves. So it looks kind of cool. Um, we'll see how things go with this additional people in the group. Uh, I know definitely uh, there is a plan and a plot for where the campaign is going, where the people are going. Um, they have a mission, right? And hopefully everyone buys in. So, yeah, I, I think there definitely didn't seem to be a lot of silences either. So I thought the, that worked pretty well. So I'm giving, like, so for example, at BS Economy, increasing my max player size to five. So I think it can work. I just got to, you know, be mindful, tell people, uh, communicate with people and say, hey, let's let everyone finish talking, that kind of thing. Maybe communicating that at the beginning of a session uh, can make it work really well, I believe. Um, yeah, do I have a preference? I, I'm beginning to think the sweet spot is five, but uh, and sometimes, depending on the game, the complexity, it can go up and down. All right, thanks for the call. Okay, let's talk about the first game. First, the setup. So I wanted to run a Savage World thing. One of the players said, hey, let's run a Savage Worlds thing. Um, only one other player at the table has played Savage Worlds, so I think it was cool to introduce the game to the group. So it'd be a teaching game. I gave them a choice, Dark Ages, Horror, or Monster Squad. And they're like, ooh, Monster Squad, that sounds more intriguing. So in the Horror Companion, there are some archetypes. We're going to use archetypes just because, I mean, if we do a campaign, this home group, they like to make their own characters. We're doing a one-shot, um, so... I give them archetypes to use as kind of their, their characters. And the Monster Squad, they're actually um, they're supers. They have monsters' powers, 15 points of monsters' powers. 
and they are seasoned, so they're not novices, they're seasoned, so kind of quote-unquote level two. So the choices they had were angel, demon, mummy, patchwork man, so like Frankenstein monster, phantom, revenant, vampire, and werewolf. And the players chose from that group, and these were like, you know, the angel, the demon, like the iconic monster or super um, for the universe, super universe I was putting it in. So um, the players chose angel, demon, patchwork man, whom they decided to call not Frankenstein monster or anything, but just patches the whole uh, the whole time, not in um, you know reference or reverence for Thaddeus Moore, who is also called Patches, but just because Patchwork Man, which is too long to say apparently. Uh, and they Revenant and then Werewolf were the ones that were chosen. So they chose those those characters. I started uh, the scene. Oh, I guess uh, here is time for a potential spoiler alert. I used a heavily modified. A version of the quick one-shot short take adventure um, that's coming out with a horror companion called Patient Zero. So it definitely says, oh, we play you seasoned characters. It might be a good idea to use uh, the Monster Squad, the Supers, uh, but it's not necessary. It can be adapted. And I did definitely um, heavily modified the game. So eh, it's not quite a spoiler because the way I'm, I ran it wasn't the way that it kind of, I just kind of used the ideas and adapted it to my own framework. So we started with the angel. So the angel was sort of the stand-in. If you've watched the uh, James Gunn Suicide Squad for DC, the uh, angel was a stand-in for Peacemaker. So as played by John Senna in the Peacemaker show and in, in the James Gunn Suicide Squad 2. So I think it's just called Suicide Squad. I don't remember. Um, in any case, so Amanda Waller was talking to Angel. She asked him, do we trust these people or these things? Can they be trusted? We already sent a team in. They failed. Uh, we're on our last. We're at, we're at our last straw. This is the last hope. And as it turns out, as they thaw out the Monster Squad, um, the other player characters, characters, uh, Amanda Waller explains that you know to the angel that uh, Las Vegas has been overrun by zombies. It's been like seven days. Uh, time is running out. We don't understand you know where this, this sort of zombie outbreak came from. It's not a few zombies here and there that we can take care of. And um, well, there you go. So it's kind of the Suicide Squad. So as I saw people out i definitely have the player characters get injected with like the neck bomb you know the back of the back of the neck bomb um they kind of they realize that most of them realize what it is uh, and then i ask them which is kind of a cool part that you can do in savage worlds to do an interlude how did you get there what's the last thing you remember they all did really fun great interludes and uh i gave him a benny and then uh, amanda waller gave him the briefing any questions to kind of look at waller you know, some of them growl, some of them, like, right, do we have really have a choice? And some of their interludes suggested, well, they their, their choice is more motivated, not that it's, you know, they have a bomb in their head, but, I mean, I really want to be out of deep freeze and get on with my, you know, my backstory, my, you know, the thing that drives me, my motivation. So maybe we can, since we are the Monster Squad and we're kind of um, a little devious, maybe we can figure a way out of the situation 
so anyway, they're going to be inserted. So they're inserted into the city. And uh, the I didn't do one like a blow by blow fight with the with any zombies as they get inserted. They they kind of do a um, an extended test, and they need to get actually it's a pretty tough test. Um, we I set it at like you need to get twenty successes within four rounds. Um, either since they're five player characters, right? So so yeah, so they do they uh, so that that's a, really they have to get at least one success each round for the four rounds. And they do pretty well. Uh, they're able to overcome the challenge and not have to fight any zombies right away. Uh, they make their way to you know through the city, trying to get to this hospital where they feel like this is where the outbreak kind of started, um, based on the intel that Waller gave them. Um, and and then they uh, they pass this like homeless shelter, and someone you know kind of sees them or they see someone in the window of the homeless shelter. And the characters debate, and then they decide that they're going to to help, which is curious. I mean, I think it's kind of driven by the Revenant and the Angel uh, being more on the good side of the Monster Squad. Um, while this happens, though, there is a complication in that the Angel isn't as vigilant as they could be, and they are attacked by some zombies. So we have our first little bit of combat. It goes pretty interestingly. I, I love what the player characters did. So something in Savage World are called hindrances, and the players really hitched onto their hindrance. So they had heard. I was going to ask, let them roll, but they said, "Oh, well, one, you know, that they had heard that they needed to. These weren't normal zombies; they're true zombies. So they had to get you know, shot in the head. Just their head had to be destroyed, and then the, to become inert. And the player characters, uh, their hindrances. One of them, the Patchwork Man, not being all that bright, and the werewolf also who got into the fray. Um, and them just not asking of being sort of rash and, and somewhat arrogant um, and the werewolf just being impulsive, right? They just kind of jumped into it um, without asking the right question, playing up their hindrances. So I gave him a Benny, which I think was a kind of cool use. They're really understanding and helping to teach with Savage Worlds. I did spend like about 10 minutes at the beginning explaining the, the base rules. So, and, and we kind of rolled with it, which was great. Uh, quick quick studies, these players, very veteran players. So it was really good. Um, so they defeat, they finally figure out the shooting shoot the head, but it was kind of neat to have some visuals of zombies' arms getting chopped off and, and them um, getting disemboweled and stuff like that. I also kind of used a, sort of, um, it's a house rule, but it's a very common house rule that I've seen used in a lot, especially over-the-top pulp action superhero games where um, damage, you can keep getting raises on your damage. So now in Sway, it used to be that a raise is a raise is a raise. You keep going, and uh, it doesn't matter now how many. You used to get as many raises as possible. They would give you extra information on skills, etc. And now it's kind of you just get one raise. It's all you need. Um, but uh, I think for some over an over-the-top game, I've seen this done at the table, a few times at various cons by, run by different players that if you keep rolling a raise in combat, well, you keep getting extra D6 of damage. So I implement, I had implemented that role. So it's fun to see all these like things that should have destroyed the zombies, but not, you know, so eventually they figured the head thing, uh, um, some cool visuals with the angel, like using their wings to, to chop off the head or destroy the head of a zombie and the wormwolf just like tearing one apart. So it's it pretty cool. So they rescued the homeless folks. And I thought that was another good chance uh, to, to role-playing and interaction 
Um, they did ask the right questions. I thought one cool question, and they made it happen. Um, I just kind of rolled randomly. They said, does the, your homeless shelter have a van, a vehicle? And it did. It turned out it did. So things rolled in their favor. Uh, they got the homeless back to um, the front, to the gate, to the wedge, as it's called. And they saved these people. So I gave them a conviction, which is a really neat form of meta currency that you um, you roll an extra d6 on top of your um, skill dice and your wild dice. And this extra d6 adds to that and can also ace. It adds to damage and attack in a combat situation. And if you spend a Benny, you can keep the conviction going. So I thought that was a neat uh, meta currency and a reward for kind of delaying them. Um, they also had the opportunity to do like a little interlude uh, with the people that they're rescuing. I thought a great one that the patchwork man did uh, was like grab some, to carry some children. Um, and then we did a cool interlude with that. So, and then another, another cool interlude the demon did is he was able to find out, he asked about the hospital. Do you know about the hospital and what should we hope to find? So I gave him a benefit later on in the hospital when they explored it. So, so then they get to the hospital and again, it's like a, a skill challenge more than a combat challenge to uh, find the information or get into the hospital, find the information, fight off any Zeds that are there. And they are able to find the information, uh, track down, you know, that they need to go to another place, this uh, hospice. And that's where um, the patient zero came from. So they're like, okay, we're going to go there. But then the Revenant has a brilliant idea. And he's like, we need, since we're here at the hospital, and he has this power that you can eat brains and learn their information. So he decided to eat some brains and he found a brain of a neurosurgeon. And um, so they were able to remove, which is some cool interaction there. Uh, so the angel doesn't have a, a bomb in his head, but he was able to distract Amanda Waller as, you know, th these things go offline and really kind of allow the Revenant and then the patchwork man to, uh, who had medicine and weird science to take out uh, these bombs. So they took him out and they put him in, to the bodies of some destroyed uh, Zeds. So, uh, so yeah, it was a pretty cool little thing that the Revenant came up with. So I gave him a Benny. Eventually they get to this place. There's this uh, zombie that can talk to them, a Dr. Graves. And he says, oh, you need to meet my sponsor. And he gives them a, a tour of the hospice facility. And then there's some horrific uh, scenes where they have zombies strapped to, um, to the table and... I think that this is what kind of creeped out the players the most. It's just like clack, 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 clack uh, on one of the floors with all the zombies trying to chomp, chomp to as they succumb or try to overcome the hunger, which Dr. Graves was trying to do. So eventually they get to the basement where the sponsor is at, and it's this huge mother, um, this huge monster from beyond, right? Like a Cthulhu monster full of tentacles, and uh, the player characters decide to fight. And there's another place where I modified things uh, substantially. So the, the monster had this uh, ability called Unstoppable, but that would have dragged combat on forever, uh, really. So it could only take one wound. It had six wounds to begin with, more than the four that you usually have in Savage Worlds. So uh, we did have the sort of heroic, uh, everyone, you know, so monsters and heroes can only take up to three wounds. So you can one shot them. Anyway, I thought that was a bit overkill. So um, it was a really fun fight. Uh, it was cool that, so there's a fear check and um, most of them failed their fear except the patchwork man um, who did not. But then you roll on the fear table and the revenant 
which was totally appropriate, uh, got um, got this the role of a two or three, and where that what happens there is you get like a surge of adrenaline. It's like a Joker effect. Uh, so you get the plus two to hit, plus two to damage, and you get to go whenever you want in the round. Um, another character when we rolled got a Joker. So they you know they took did like four wounds this first round to this huge monstrosity, and and um, and really there's no it's so t- powerful as written that usually the idea is you got to run away. Um, but that didn't really seem satisfying for a one shot. So the characters fought it, whittled it down. And then I just, my, I had no dice rolls. I couldn't hit anything. I hit like one time and then it was absorbed. They ate at my bennies uh, really quickly in the first round with the revenant firing is like, you know, modernized gun. He actually chose a MP five SD three. Which is unloading on it. They had they're using conviction. Um, the werewolf was jumping on it. The patchwork man was smashing it. The angel was flying and slicing it. And when the demon was running away, because that's what the the face and the demon does. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of more of a face and a talking thing. It did really well in the role playing aspect the player did, but really in a non combatant. Um, there was a funny scene where he did roll a double one, shooting into melee and shot ironically the angel which was kind of a fun little role-playing tidbit. So eventually they do defeat the monster. And then we have an ending scene where they're just like, I think we're done here. And they just kind of walk out of uh, Las Vegas. Um, you, know, you have that scene where they're all walking together in the, you know, with the ruins in the background of Vegas covered in slime and gore. Um, and uh, well, Amanda Waller can't do a thing. So that was pretty fun. A really good session. I really like how, how Savage Worlds worked, and I think we want to revisit Monster Squad at some point, but the players will probably uh, re-roll their concept um, and make their own kind of character, redo the monster's powers, etc. So that was pretty cool. Had a great time. All right. Next game. All right. So I wanted to run a Marvel Defenders game set in New York with the MCU Defenders and anyone who was associated with the Defenders through the, the comics. So I've been bandied this out for a while, and three players were able to show up. They chose Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and Moon Knight uh, to be their quote-unquote Defenders. So I did record the actual play, and you can see it on the YouTube. I will link that in the show notes, but I didn't really want to just put out the audio for this because it's kind of related to my Halloween Halloweeny games. I do have an excerpt um, that was kind of a cool highlight in the game. And uh, and you heard at the beginning um, a blooper from uh, one of the players uh, who threatened to like leave the actual play. Uh, he's just joking. So um, that was at the beginning of the this podcast. Okay, so I had the defenders you know, jump on on the or on the rooftop somewhere off of Mulberry Street in Lower Manhattan. They've been tracking uh, sort of missing persons, rumors about missing persons and all that. Um, this is established in the not in the MC universe but in the comic books. Uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are married, so uh, Luke was taking care of Danielle, their child, and Jessica Jones was also concerned that uh, Patsy, or Hellcat, um, that she was out um, on her own, help, quote-unquote, helping with the investigation, but Patsy has this tendency to get in trouble 
So Jessica was very concerned to follow some leads. Um, Daredevil had been following some leads on people missing in Hell's Kitchen and, and Lower Manhattan and Moon Knight. Well, he just also knew somebody that had gone missing um, or something bad had happened to him in Conchu, uh, being the god of vengeance and of personality of Moon Knight, kind of um, directed him, at least this is what the player described, directed them to go look uh, for these missing persons as well that they had heard about. So they get on the roof, they're ambushed by ninjas, and the ninjas are a little different, as we learn. So Daredevil's here is like circulating blood, but no heartbeat. So it turns out these ninjas are like vampires, and they engage the player characters. Who knows what their purpose is? But they look like the hand. They look like the hand, but they're also vampires. So a great thing happened though, while uh, we were starting to fight, and they saw very quickly. And I love the expression that BJ and myself and Jeff have um, when Amy's character Jessica Jones uh, uses her strength and smashes some heads. Well, she's thinking that the only thing she really can do is go up and go between two of them and clang their heads together. Okay. Because she has banging heads. I was going to say, do you have a, a bang heads power? <laughs> yes. Um, nice. Nice. So. This one here or this one here? or. Well, she was just going to go in between two. I mean, yeah. see. Like she could get those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I roll melee combat, right? Yeah, melee combat. The attack, and I don't add anything to it. Oh my god! Holy! <laughs> Holy shnikes, Batman! <laughs> it's the wrong universe, but man, that uh, I think you cracked more than their head says if the attack is a success against both foes each enemy takes full damage and you just make one attack right okay one attack against both of them yeah right. you compare if it's like mine you compare it against each of their oh that's defenses a, a 16 is gonna so this is kind of what happens <laughs> crunch wow She's gonna wipe her hands off on her jacket yeah I never stay clean. Okay. Um, that, that didn't sound pretty, Jessica. <laughs> curiously, that, curiously, though, when you crunch them like that, they fall to the ground, kind of spaz for a second, and then um, disappear like into a mist. All right. Daredevil, you are up. However, for posterity, I just checked that. And yes, uh, I-95 does go through the Bronx. So uh, they head uptown and get to the Bronx and fight. Um, actually, which makes kind of sense um, with um, eh, with Luke Cage being kind of focused, uh, based in Harlem. Maybe that's for Jessica Jones. And he, I thought they would hang out in Midtown. Anyway, it works out. So they get to fight Luke Cage. Uh, and I, I guess what I intended was like the first fight was going to be a group fight. The second fight was going to be against a tough super. And it was really funny when Daredevil tossed something at Luke Cage and did like eight points of damage because Luke Cage has an ability to reduce the damage multiplier. And he's like, oh, it's got a lot of health. 
So um, they didn't see the actual points, but they saw like the kind of bar. So it just showed that nothing really happened. So that was a kind of fun, uh, fun revelation. Um, and then uh, it was a cool fight. Uh, Luke Cage uh, and Jessica uh, tried to talk him down, really didn't want to fight him or hurt him. Um, he, in his rage or something's off with him, uh, Daredevil could tell something was off. His adrenaline was high, heartbeat was racing. Um, so he's very, he smelled sweaty. Uh, Daredevil suspected he might have been poisoned uh, or something weird happened. Um, anyway, Jessica Jones confronts him. He's got like scratches and bite marks all over him. He's, he's incoherent. Um, he tosses a he tosses a car at Jessica. It kind of bounces off of her, really. Doesn't do that a whole lot. Um, and then she, and then the cool, a cool maneuver happens um, where Moon Knight kind of distracts while Daredevil goes and sweeps the leg. And then Jessica sort of pounces on Luke Cage and kind of grabs him, throws, slams him into the concrete. So you can imagine like little cracks form on the concrete there on the I-95. Um, there's a shield agent nearby trying to contain things. And I had the shield agent just in case. Um, I, they definitely didn't need him. He was just kind of observing eventually. Um, but, you know, vigilantes, strong supers fighting. Maybe he could have gotten involved and they would have had to deal with a, a shield agent attacking him. It never really happened. Uh, but they piled on Luke Cage. Finally, were able to figure out that really it's, it was better to talk Luke Cage down than try to beat him into submission. So they were between Jessica Jones and Daredevil's um, you know, deal breaker and Jessica Jones um, just being his wife and be able to talk him down, uh, work on his ego. They uh, got him into a state where he was relatively coherent and could figure out what was going on. And Jessica and Daredevil used their intellect to sort to kind of figure out what the next move was going to be. Apparently, the vampires took Danielle and took her somewhere. So between the clue that they're hand ninjas, criminal element, and near their house, and uh, I-95 here, Jessica was able to triangulate and Daredevil corroborated that there is a warehouse nearby uh, where these hand ninjas usually hit out. Maybe that's where they took Danielle. Uh, so we get to the next map. And we we had a kind of, a, uh, it was like a, only a really two hour window. Amy had a hard stop. So we didn't do the last fight. Hopefully we'll get to that. Uh, but they found the warehouse. And as Daredevil listens, he only hears a single heartbeat and a fading heartbeat. Uh, so then they're going to probably kick down the doors and see what lies inside. He hears that there's other movement, but it's very strange reading for his, you know, special senses. But it was really fun. I really like the Marvel uh, game. This is kind of a tacitly related, same theme related to Agent 45's tales that I've shared with you all. Um, so uh, it was pretty fun, and I'd like to get back to it again. I had a great time running, of course. All those fun players. And I, I really thought, what I thought really was that they really got into character. So BJ was kind of talking to himself, much like Moon Knight does in the comics on the show, um, with, a, with a multiple personality disorder that Moon Knight kind of has in his incarnation and it, uh, among them. So uh, I, I thought they played their characters really well. It was the first time Jeff had played, and he seemed to really get into it. So it's fun to really use the iconic characters as well. Um, like BJ has made up his character and added to the Marvel Universe or our Marvel Universe, right? Um, so, so you had a good time with it. So those are my Halloween games. 
and thank you all for listening. I might as well just do the outro here, right? So thanks for listening. It's been the Geomologist Presents. You can shoot me a line at geomologist at gmail.com. Either write it or send me a voice message. Play it on the air. It'd be great. I don't know how famous you will be. Now, if you comment on the YouTube, go find the YouTube and subscribe, like, uh, you'll probably be more famous because uh, it's kind of blowing up, surprisingly, some of them. Anyway, so um, YouTube, I guess, more popular than podcast. Who knows? In any case, uh, you can also drop me a line via the Discord, um, a voice message, or a, a text message. I have a SpeakPipe account that I've linked in the show notes, and you can shoot me a short message there. It'd be great to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you would enjoyed this little recap and delve into some Halloween-themed superhero games, I guess. And uh, this has been the Geomology Presents. Good night and good rolling. Oh, wait, I forgot to thank some people. TJ Drennan does the intro and outro music, and my wife, Amy, does the cover clip art. I just did the regular cover clip art today because I didn't want to do some sort of weird photo split of, I guess, I, of Savage Worlds. And no, not really. It didn't seem to work. In any case, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. All right, TJ, take us out.